Well, I'm really excited to uh, to be back this morning. It's been uh, it's been ten years. <laughs> uh, it doesn't just seem like yesterday. Uh, so, um, my name is Pete Kennedy, and uh, my wife Lorraine, and we um, we started this church. Uh, long story. We won't go into any of that today. I was raised Methodist, and I married a Baptist preacher's daughter, and uh, we joined. Uh, an evangelical church along the way, and then we met the Vineyard. And it's been about uh, pushing around 40 years ago that we got introduced to the Vineyard, and we, um, we have not been the same since. And so this particular uh, church is the outflow of us uh, falling into the Vineyard uh, Association, and, and uh, we've loved every second of it. So it's so good to see uh, so many of you I, I remember um, fondly, and uh, so it's good to be back home, as it were, today. So uh, uh, I have been um, accused of preaching long in times past, Tommy Morgan. Uh, um, and so I, I do get carried away sometimes in preaching. I love the word, and, and once I get rolling, I just, you know, time slips away, and Old women faint and babies cry and all that good stuff. So I brought something. <laughs> I, uh, I hope to be on schedule today completely, and we'll see how that works out. All right. So, you know, um, I'm all about the Bible. I'm all about the Word of God and... and uh, the Bible says that we're two or three gathered in his name. He's there already. So I know there's two or three of us here in his name. Amen. Amen. And uh, so I know that the Lord's here and I'm here to tell you before we even start. I mean, his his role here today is to bless you, to bless me, to bless you. Uh, the word is living. It's active. It's sharper than a two edged sword. And the living word of God is going to permeate us today myself and you as well and so i'm excited about that uh I'm, i've got uh, i'm using the niv version if you if you want to follow that uh, i'm going to turn to luke chapter 10 in luke it's a familiar story to most of you this is uh i'll, I'll read a little bit i'm i'm Really big into paraphrasing a lot, shorten the stories a little bit because I'm on the clock, as it were. So uh, we'll stay in there. Uh, in verse 25 of Luke 10, it says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to, in to inherit eternal life? Now, I like, the, I like the question. Here's a guy coming to Jesus, and apparently he knew who he was. And, and he says to him, you know, how do I get in? What do I have to do to go to heaven is another way of paraphrasing what he says. And, and the Lord says, what's written in the law? And so he reads it. And the, the guy says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So most of us who have read the Bible at all know that's the, the great commandment, the verse. It's also in Matthew. It's also in Mark. And John actually has a paraphrase of that that we'll we'll touch on as well today. Just a minute. So here's a guy that comes to Jesus and says, OK, what do I have to do to get in? Now, my my paraphrase of this is this. What if there was a test in heaven? 
Like when we die and we go to heaven, what if there was a test? And on that test, uh, there was this question of, you know, how did you do on this particular thing? This great commandment is not an option for any of us. It's not an option for any of us. This is something that God has said through the word. And Jesus paraphrases and puts it for us in this explicit terms here. You must do this. If there's only one thing in the Bible you need to get right, only one. Now, you don't have to settle for that. You can get a lot right in the Bible. But if there was only one thing that you could get right, this is it. This is the thing. Love the Lord your God with all you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I love the, the, uh, the fact that you've been on uh, loving the poor, mercy ministry, whatever you want to term that phrase. And that's what I want to teach on and continue on today. This particular verse is so central to us as Christian folks, believing that God wants us to love God himself and love our neighbors just like we love ourselves. Now, I'm going to break this verse into two little halves here real quickly. You know, loving God is the core of who we are as Christians. We are to love God and ex explore that all of our life on how can we get closer to God? How can he get closer to us loving God? So I've got a couple of verses here that I think really are these imperative verses in the Bible. I'm going to start with Hebrews 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, in my Bible, I've got that little word underlined. It's impossible. So I have to stop and think, wait a minute. Without faith, and again, faith for me is this something that I've never seen. I've never seen God. I've never seen Jesus. But I have faith. I believe that that's really true. I mean, I, in my core, I believe that to be so. So I have faith. You have faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then these two little things in Hebrews 11, you, you must first believe that he exists. Let me just stop there and say, also the Bible says, uh, don't get too carried away with just believing in God. Satan believes in God. And the Bible says, whoopty, right? No big deal. Satan believes in God. So you must believe that he is, God is, and that he's the rewarder of all that seek him diligently. So coming after God is that, you know, you must believe that God is and that you seek him. You come after God with a passion, as I say. So Hebrews eleven six. The next one is first John three. And in first John, that John, John wrote the gospel of John. He wrote Revelation. He wrote first John. And this is his command. John says in first John three twenty three. This is the command that God has given us. And this is John's paraphrase of the great commandment. Matthew says, love the Lord your God with all, with all, with all, and love your neighbors yourself. John says, and this is his command, to believe in the name of the Son, Jesus, and to love one another as he commanded. So John takes the great commandment and he puts Jesus in it. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you can't really love God without Jesus. I love the I love the ameners, by the way. <laughs> you can't really love God without Jesus. Why? We were in a discussion with somebody this past week and somebody asked the question, why did Jesus die? 
All right, you scroll through those answers in your mind. And I used to say every time, why did Jesus die? Well, to take our sins away. Yes, that's true, isn't it? But that's really not why Jesus died. Jesus died, yes, to take our sins away so that the higher goal could be reached. And that is my fellowship, your fellowship with the Father, with God himself, could be restored. Through Jesus' sanctification of us, our sins are washed away, we're cleaned, and therefore we have access to God in his purity. We become pure so we can get to him in purity, right? And so when, when we think about loving God, we have to put Jesus in the mix. Uh, that's kind of a no-brainer for us, but John six forty, For my Father's will is that everyone who loves the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Everyone who loves the Son... I've got to love God with all my heart. I've got to embrace Jesus, and therefore I get to live forever. You know, I'm a, I'm a um, person who likes to dream a lot. Um, and so when I think about eternal life, it, my brain can't go there. Your brain really can't go there. What is to live forever? Good grief, right? To live forever, eternal life. So I get to go to heaven and be with God and with the Father and with the Son and with the Holy Spirit and with you. I used to have some older women in the church who I don't think are here today. And <clears throat> I used to say, Miss Geraldine was a nice lady who, man, she's the best cook I've ever met in my life. And I'd say, Lord, please let me live on Miss Geraldine Street in heaven, you know. I mean, we're, you and I will be together in heaven. I think that's a great thought, you know, to love the Lord your God is to love the Lord, to, the, to include Jesus in that, and the Holy Spirit. One of the beauties of the, the vineyard movement is the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, I've been in the vineyard now for 40-ish years, and uh, we got to meet John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard. Some of you don't even know who that is, I guess, but uh, Wimber started the vineyard, and he was this dynamic, spirit-filled Quaker guy that was a, a musician, a little fat man trying to get to heaven. That's what he said about himself. And and but the Holy Spirit moved through John Wimber and and he painted a picture for us that was just a wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit. So the love of the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind is to love Jesus and to have the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so. You know, I just invite you today as we continue to talk about mercy ministry a little bit. Man, I'm telling you, the Lord is here today and his desire is to bless you. His desire is to touch you today, to bless you before you walk out of this building today. And so we'll let God do that. Amen. Amen. So if, if there's only one verse in the whole Bible that you had to work on and get right, this is the verse. And, you know, will there be a test in heaven? No, I don't think there'll be a test in heaven. But what if there was that you get to the pearly gates and he says, OK, how'd you do on that verse? You know, and, and some of us could say, well, you know, we 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 believed in God. I'm not sure how far that's going to get you. Uh, but, you know, did you learn to love your neighbor as yourself? The, this verse says they're equal. One's not higher than the other. They are parallel commandments in the Bible. You must love God. You must learn to serve your neighbor in their needs and to bless them in their needs. And so 
that whole side of this verse, loving our neighbor, uh, <laughs> there used to be a plaque over that door that said this, Galatians 5, 6. For only one thing counts. Ooh, see, I love that. I love, I love my brain just to pause. Only one thing counts, it says, that your faith expresses itself in love. Isn't that a powerful little verse? Only one thing counts in all of our existence as humans that we walk through this life as believers. Only one thing counts. And that is that your faith, believing in God, believing in Jesus, has an expression to itself. An expression that reaches out and does something. Your faith expresses itself as love. And again, what if there was a test? Did you learn to do that? How does it look? See, I believe that there's a... I want to pull that out and walk around here. I believe that, you know, God really puts in us this living desire to touch and love people. But we have to have an expression of that that reaches out past our fingertips and really does something. Galatians 5, 6. I suspect that plaque's hanging somewhere in a... Another room somewhere in this thing. James too. You know, James, the book of James is this tough chapter in the Bible. Tough, tough book. Because all James does, he just hammers, hammers, hammers that you say you have faith. You believe in something. James says, if it doesn't have legs to it, if it doesn't have some activity associated with what you say you believe, then you're, you don't have any faith at all. James 2, 14, 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man uh, claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a believer or a sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well. Keep warm and keep fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it in the same way faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead? Wow. What a strong verse. Didn't I just chew at you a little bit? It's always messed me up. I, you know, I read that and I listen to it and I think, oh, my goodness gracious. How am I doing? Do you know every one of you has a file in heaven? Did you know that? This is Pete's philosophy on that. God has a record on every one of us. You've got a file in heaven. Everything you do. The Bible says even a drink of water given in my name gets recorded in the book. So each of you has a file on how you're doing. So, you know, I get to heaven and God asked me the, the, the exam question. How'd you do on this verse here? Uh, you know. I guess all I can say is look in my file and you tell me how I did, right? We must have some activity in the area of mercy ministry. Now, you know, there is um, a continuation in Luke 10 where Jesus gets to the practicum of, I'm going to keep using the term mercy ministry, helping people out, ministry to People who need help of any kind. Mercy ministry. In Luke 10, it begins in 29. And uh, for time's sake, I'll just paraphrase this. 
You know, this, this guy who asked Jesus, <coughs> what, what do I have to do to, to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what does the Bible say? And he said, well, you know, the great commandment. He said, yeah, how you doing on that? And so then the guy says to Jesus, who exactly is my neighbor? Who exactly is my neighbor? Who, who is it that I'm supposed to be helping in some of this? And so Jesus doesn't, <coughs> Jeremy, would you do me a favor and hand me that bottle of water? <coughs> Jesus doesn't answer it uh, directly. He gives a parable. Thank you, sir. So the parable says there was a man uh, who got into trouble on a road. People beat him up and left him for dead. And so he, they took his clothes off. He's laying naked on the side of the road, bleeding. And along comes three people. And these are stereotypical people, I believe. The Bible says that there was a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan who came along. And the priest looks at the man laying on the side of the road, naked and bleeding. And he crosses to the other side of the road and dodges the, the episode. I can understand that. Come on. You're walking down the road and there's a naked man laying on the side of the road bleeding. Some of us would walk around that. I would probably do that a lot of times. The next guy is a, a Levite who we would say is a person who's like a college professor on, from a seminary. Really an elite-minded person about biblical things. He sees the man and he walks around him. Then comes the Samaritan. And for us, you know, a Samaritan, we don't really get the, the whole use of the term Samaritan. This was a guy who's not well received in society. You know, surely as I say this, there'll be somebody here from Pierre Park. But this, this was, a, this was a, a boat mechanic from Pierre Park. If you're from Pierre Park or boat mechanic, listen, then, you know, forgive me. So here's a preacher who sees this guy laying on the road and he goes around him. A guy from the New Orleans Seminary, who's this elite Bible teacher, sees the guy laying on the road and he goes around him. And then the, the uh, boat mechanic from Pierre Park sees him and he goes up and he begins to tend to the man's needs. So, you know, the Bible uh, tells all the details of what he did. He, he put the guy on his own donkey. He tended to his wounds. Uh, he carried him to a local inn, paid for him to stay there. He, the, the man then goes away and leaves some money for the innkeeper to continue to take care of. And then he came back to check on him. So the thing I say to you about this practicum that Jesus gives us on how to love our neighbor is, you know, he had to get his hands dirty. Mm -hmm. So for, for me and my wife, as we've come along the journey, we've done a number of things. And I'll touch on some of those in a minute, but we've done a number of things to help promote loving our neighbors, ourselves in the Vineyard Church. And, you know, uh, the very first thing that I realized when I got into this was you can't just write a check or give some money in the collection plate and and fix this verse in your life. You can't. There are times that your money and, and that, that's helpful. That's very helpful to this process. But 
you got to put your hands to the plow, as it were. You meet somebody in a need, you got to touch them and help them. Here's this guy who meets this wounded guy on the side of the road, and the first thing he does is put his hands on this guy and get his hands dirty. Uh, he had to alter his plans. I mean, he was going somewhere, and he finds this guy in need. He had to change his plans to help this guy out. And for, that's a big deal for lots of us. I'm on my way to a, a meeting, and I see somebody on the side of the road that's really in distress. Then, you know, there are choices that have to be made. Will I change my schedule? Will I put my hands to the need of this, or, or will I not? So he had to spend some of his money as well. cost him a little bit. His time, his resources, and all that. So Jesus shows us this practicum of how to get involved to answer this pressing little verse in here about helping people. Now, I love stories. I have lots of stories. There was a guy in our church uh, early on who came, um, came in one day. I'd never seen him before, and you could look at him until he was down and out. And uh, when I went up to meet him, his name was Steve. Steve's not here today, so I can talk about him. Uh, he came in, and he's a little skinny guy, and he had, well, I don't know, four or five kids with him. And they all looked like little wild rabbits. You know, you could tell he had, it's rough on the guy. So when I got to talking to Steve, Steve had, had had all of his teeth pulled, and he was probably 35. And he had a bridge, he had a false teeth. And his top plate was broken in half, split right down the middle. And when he talked, when he tried to talk, his teeth kept falling out. They're clacking like one side would fall and the other would stay up in there and it would click. And he'd try to put it back in, you know. And so here's a guy with an obvious need, right? The very first thing we did in this church for Steve was to buy him a new top plate for his mouth. Hello? Hello? Now, Steve had all kind of issues, and we dealt with Steve. Steve came to know the Lord because we touched him, because we met the needs that he had, his obvious needs. We went through counseling with him. We ministered to him on, on children. His wife wasn't with him anymore, and he's trying to raise these four little kids. And Anyway, Lots of hands-on stuff. Cost us a little bit of money. We had to alter some of our schedules. But Steve became a believer, and every one of his kids came to know the Lord. Isn't that a great story? Now, again, story, 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 story. I just love stories about people who get ministered to. You know, we had in our church for years and years a SWAT team of movers. We had so many um, ladies that were not married and um, were in, you know, financial straits and that kind of thing. We got calls after calls. They always seemed to come on a rainy night about 11 o'clock. If you don't come help me tonight, they're going to sit all my stuff out on the street corner at midnight. They had been an eviction notice. They paid no attention to it. Blah, 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 blah. And they call us at about 11 o'clock on a rainy night saying, help, what can you do to help me? So we formed a SWAT team of guys that I said, look, either say yes or no to me because they're going to call me. And then I got to call you because I can't do this by myself. We'd go get a U-Haul truck 
And I'd call two or three guys. I said, look, here's the deal. Sally's called. She's getting evicted tonight. We got to go get her stuff out of her apartment. Are you in or out? They said, okay, I'm in. So we'd go. We had a SWAT team of people that I could call and say, okay, we're on for tonight. Can you do it? They'd say yes. And we'd go move people. I can't tell you the number of times we moved people, sometimes more than once, you know. A SWAT team, what was their need? They were fixing to get evicted and their stuff set out on the street corner. I'm not saying that's good or bad. They should have done it differently, blah, 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 blah. But for us, we had a, you know, here's a person laying on the side of the road bleeding. What are you going to do? You got to help or not help kind of thing. So meeting the needs of people in needs with needs really requires activation. You got to be able to touch and do and all that kind of stuff. So I have... Loving the Lord God with all your heart really requires us to be people who are willing to make a decision before the event ever happens, right? Before it ever happens, you've got to make a decision. Will you help? And I hope today we're able to touch a few of those that actually will help us out with um, figuring out that we can do that and how to do it. Um, anybody ever been to a detox unit here in Baton Rouge? Oh, my goodness. I guess out of the things I've done, that was probably some of the hardest stuff. We, you know, drugs is just an event in our society, isn't it? And people get in trouble with drugs all the time. And, you know, we would bump into people, not so much that would walk in here that were all drugged up, but maybe their mom was here and they'd call and say, you know, John's in trouble. Can you help? Taking people downtown to the detox center was something we did and that was tough i mean it was tough so you know detox center duty and there, there was a pastor named robert Schuler. uh he was the big time televangelist in the 20th century robert Schuler's passed on now but robert uh created the crystal cathedral out in california robert Schuler was a vineyard friendly guy he and john wimber hung together some and had like minds about mercy ministry actually uh, Schuler had a saying in his church a sort of a mantra that i think is a really good thing uh, for us to to hear robert Schuler said find a hurt heal it see a need meet it find a problem solve it that was his whole cast for his church of multi-thousands of people that he believed even in their, their, I'll use the term politely, opulence. If you've never seen the Crystal Cathedral, it's something else. Uh, all glass church and a huge cathedral thing. But in the heart of Robert Schuller was to remember the down and outs, to help those who are less fortunate than we are. So, you know, I'm going to give you one more verse here that is probably the motivational verse of my life. And I mean that seriously. Most of you will know this already. First John three seventeen. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Whoa, that's in the book. Yes, that's in the book. If you know, and again, we're all in different positions on our finances, but compared to people that I bump to on the streets out there. You know, 
I've got some material possessions, maybe more than the God that I'm bumping to on the street out there. So it's a motivational thing to me to think, you know, God has blessed me. God has blessed you to be able to bless others. Now, that can be ties to the church, Jeremy. It can be, you know, there are lots of ways to be a blessing. But God really intends us to use what he's given us to help other people. Somebody say amen. All right. So I want to talk about the vineyard now and its DNA. The, the scriptures are really clear. We could give 30 more scriptures that motivate us to be people who watch over and care for people less fortunate than we are. It's the heart of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. So in the vineyard DNA, this man, John Wimber, coined a couple of phrases. The first one was called mercy ministry. Uh, we used to have an annual conference in California back when the vineyard was the size that we could all kind of get together at one location at one time. So we had an annual pastor's meeting in California. I never went to a vineyard pastor's meeting that we didn't have a mercy ministry outreach. Never. We always did go out on the streets in the afternoon and, and bless people, give things away, blah, blah, blah. Mercy ministry. It's just part of the DNA of who we are. Uh, the Baton Rouge Vineyard has been doing mercy ministry since its foundation. But long before we built this building, we were here doing ministry to people who needed some ministry to. Uh, I know that down, uh, down the road right here, there's a, a, an apartment complex called Banbury. And we did, we love to go to Banbury. We would take a trailer and we'd go down on a Saturday at Banbury and we would cook out. We'd put a, just a little barbecue pit on the back of a trailer. We'd go get permission from the managers. They say they loved us to come. We'd just pull into a place, uh, turn on some music. Music always gathers people. Uh, we'd start the cookers going and we're just talking hot dogs or hamburgers, something like that. We do children's face painting and balloons and that kind of thing. And we had, 10, 12 people helping serve, helping greet, that kind of thing. Everybody just came out of their apartments. They hear the music. They smell the hot dogs cooking. The kids come to get face painting. And, man, it was just a fun time. Nothing risky about it. No high risk of rejection or any of that kind of stuff. It was just a fun time to bless people who we like to, to touch and let them know there's a church in your neighborhood that loves you. And, man, we got people from the from Banbury coming and, and being in our, in our church and joining and, and on and on and on. So, you know, we enjoyed doing things in the area that we were planted in, for sure. Um, in town, there are several shelters. Uh, one is called the Volunteers of America, and they've got like three, I think, currently. Three shelters, some are just for men, some are just for women, and some are families. Well, we got involved at one of the VOA shelters for families. And we would go as a church down. They have all these kids that come after school in these little um, shelter apartments that were very cramped. And they always needed aftercare to children, you know, help with homework 
do crafts, things like that, because they were cramped. They couldn't go in these little apartments very well. And so we'd meet down there and teach and train and do all that kind of stuff. So we got very involved with the Volunteers of America. They love you coming. There's an endless supply of need there. Um, a long story made very short. We ended up uh, taking guardianship of two children, my wife and I did, from the Volunteers of America shelter. And then we ended up adopting one of the girls. And she's our daughter today. All because we saw a need and wanted to meet it. Saw something going on that we thought we could come and help in. And what seemed to be a frail little way. Few people doing a few things. But it touched lots of people. And we ended up with a daughter out of the deal. Huh? Pretty sweet. So, you know, I went online, by the way. Everybody gets to play. One of the great things about the vineyard is that they always taught uh, that everybody in the kingdom gets to play. Lots of the uh, religious things that I've come through, they were... You know, a few people on the things down on the playing field and we all set the bleachers and watched them. But in the vineyard, they said, all of us get to play. We want to do it all together. And so the Volunteers of America has uh, data entry needs, social media management needs, uh, brown bag lunch preparation needs, baking needs for help people, paper goods for low income, music at shelters, crafts at shelters. That's on their current website for people that do all kinds of things. So everybody could do something to help in, in, in this whole thing of being initiating mercy ministries in this church. I don't know everything. Jeremy's told me a few things about what you do here and, and hallelujah, you know. Everybody gets to play and the vineyard is the great place to do it in. So nursing homes in the area, uh, businesses in the area. We used to go to all these places and just touch. We had a thing here in our church called servanthood evangelism that we would go out and, and uh, once a month, we'd get little teams of people and go bless people. You know, it takes that to really be able to touch people. Um, in this church, there, there are front people and there are shy people and brave people. Let's say that. Some of you, personality-wise, you're outgoing. You don't mind meeting strangers. Some of you would melt like, like sugar in a, you know, hot air if somebody wanted you to go meet somebody that you didn't know. But in, the, in Mercy Ministry, there's room for everybody. There's plenty of places for... Uh, we used to go give bag lunches away. It took 10 people to prepare the bag lunches here before six of us took them out on the streets out here. And so in your personality mix... God can use everybody. Amen. God can use everybody in all the ways that he wants to use uh, mercy ministry. So let me let me flip to, um, as they say, Jeremy, in closing. <laughs> There's not just one thing in the Bible to get straight. There are lots of things God wants to encourage us in. But I'm telling you, this verse the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not an optional verse. It's a real verse. So I encourage you today to, you know, God's never in a place to condemn anybody. Never. 
He's only here to encourage. So the encouragement of the Holy Spirit today would be, hey, how's your, how's your mercy ministry going? What can I do? What can I do to maybe step up my game a little bit in that? And that's really what the Lord wants. Um, the most important things that God wants from us is to love. Did you learn to love? Um, so I encourage you in that. You know, um, God has this thing called wisdom and understanding. It's something that the Holy Spirit brings. A spirit of wisdom, a spirit of understanding. So I really pray today for you as a member of this church or just as a Christian, wherever you go, that you'd let the Holy Spirit today just impart to you this spirit of wisdom and a spirit of understanding. That's what he desires greatly, and I encourage you in that area. Now, I want to just say in closing, I'm going to say something that some of you won't receive and some of you might receive. When I say this, if you don't know me, you might think I'm haughty. <laughs> I'm not haughty. But um, in praying about coming here, uh, I think maybe I'm the oldest person in the room. <laughs> so it gives me a little bit of seniority. I have the ability to bless you. As a father would bless children, that God said to me about the meeting today that I could bless you. And so I want to do that. I want to speak a blessing on you. Now, you don't have to be in this church. You, you just have to receive you don't have to do anything. You don't have to be any level of anything. You just have to be open to God actually blessing you. God is in the room, and he's here to bless you. And so you have to have an open door. That's all you have to do. Whatever it means for your door to open, you know, it's a spiritual thing. And God wants to touch you in your, in your inner self, and he wants to bless you today. So I'd say this to you, you know, just dial down for a second. You know, I'm going to pray a blessing over you and over this church. And for those who have ears to hear, let them hear. That's the word of the Lord today. If you've got a, an availability to hear this and receive it, you will receive it. So I want to speak this blessing over you. Just let your door open if you can and. Let the Lord do what he wants to do. Father God, we come today in the name of Jesus. We come today as your people, the children that you have called, the sheep of your pasture. And Lord God, we ask for you now to impart to us by the Holy Spirit the blessing from on high. Bless us, Lord. Bless us indeed. Bless us, Lord. Let it come and sweep over us like um, rain, like wind, like water. Let it sweep over us, Lord God. The blessing from on high. Lord, every need here, you know every need, you know every want, you know every position of everybody in this room. And Father, meet them where they are. A spirit of encouragement. Let it come, Lord, come. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your ministry here in the Vineyard Church. 
We thank you for these people. Lord God, let the spirit of encouragement rest on the ones that you've called today. And we say it in Jesus' name. Amen? Thank you so much for letting me be here today. It's an honor. Thank you, Jeremy.